You're listening to The Light Switch, a podcast created by the Robinson Speakers Bureau. In one or two sentences for our listeners, can you define what a social media influencer is? Typical definition would be somebody who has a lot of followers and whose opinion and lifestyle is interesting for their audiences. I have Xenia Chumi in the studio today. She is the absolute epitome of an influencer. She's brilliant, has worked in finance, JP Morgan, has an economics degree, has been a hugely successful model, once a runner-up in Miss Switzerland. She's fluent in six languages, including Russian and Italian, and now she runs an online marketing and branding business from London. She has- <laughs> How many compliments, thank you. She has a ridiculous, I haven't finished yet. She has Sorry. a ridiculous amount of followers on social media too. She has 1.5 million on Instagram, 5.8 million followers on Facebook, which totals 7.31 million people. So we throw these numbers around like they're not much. A couple million here, a couple million there. Xenia basically has more people following her than the entire population of Norway or Denmark or Finland, or even Singapore. So she's basically in between Hong Kong, which has 7.3 million people, and Sierra Leone with 7.4. Xenia, it's been so hard to book you to come on the show. I'm thrilled you're finally here. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for all of the amazing compliments and such a nice introduction. Well, um, I just thought I'd lay it out for the, uh, for the listeners. That's sweet. Thank you. So thank you for having me. I'm very curious to know what you're going to ask me. Uh, well, well, I've got a whole slew of questions for you. When did I last see you? It was December during Art Basel or something, wasn't it? Yes, it's been a while already. Yes. How have you been? What's new? I hear you're working on a book. Oh, you can't announce it yet. We're just closing. We didn't even close the deal, but I have some very clear ideas about what I would like to write potentially. Uh, but we're not there yet. It All takes right. a while to find the right deal and... We'll see. It's a new project, new challenge. It's for sure, for sure going to be more fulfilling than just captions on Instagram. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I have to ask you so our listeners can, can really understand what you do, which is probably, I would say, the most coveted job now for people in their late teens and, and, and early 20s. You're an influencer, right? I mean, the, the younger generations these days place more importance on followers <laughs> than on money. Would you say that's correct? Um, well, I mean, we've always been in a society, like society has always valued popularity in some form or another. This is just another measure of popularity, I guess. At the end of the day, we're social animals and we want to get that love from one another, that interest and uh, popularity can mean power. But I wouldn't say that, you know, people value followers over money. It all depends on how you look at it. And having followers means having a voice. Having a voice means having a certain amount of influence and power towards, you know, the your audience for sure. And also subjects that you might want to promote and hopefully responsibility because this comes with huge responsibility uh, on how you present subjects and what those subjects are and what you choose to present and uh, you know, if you're an idol to somebody, even just to one person and you can influence their life, you better do it for the for the better, for the good. 
What is the business model of being a digital influencer or a social media influencer? Um, it's not all about just a business model, because if it was, you would probably not be successful. It has a lot to do with your interaction with your followers who are almost virtual friends to you. And it's a community. So it's not just purely business oriented. It's a mixture of things. Business, I would say, is just a percentage of it. The rest is literally um, an interaction and a continuous daily interaction that you have to feed. Um, other than that, of course, brands reach out to influencers depending on what the influencer speaks about, how credible they are, their image, their branding, their followers, the quality of their followers. There's a lot of elements, really a lot. Their age, their country, where they're from. And they reach out to these influencers because marketing uh, is way more credible when it's spoken uh, through the eyes and through the mouth of people who are more sincere and more close to their audiences than just, you know, uh, an ad on television, a, bill a billboard or a magazine. And it's way more trackable at the same time because you can obviously get all of the analytics once you have that post. You can know who saw it, how many times, who clicked on it and who even bought a product from it. And as long as it's transparent and honest, from you know people who actually are advertising i don't think anything anything bad about it i think it's a really great tool and it's very empowering for people like me because we become our own bosses we become entrepreneurs without having to conform there's a lot out there there is a lot uh, online and there's a lot of diversity in every single way and yet people manage to to make a living out of it what are the companies that really utilize influencers? Like what, what kind of, what, what, what is it like beyond the fashion world? Oh, there's so much beyond the fashion world. The fashion world is just one small fraction of it. There is all sorts, literally brands have woken up uh, in the past few years and definitely now, mainly in the US, the US has been always on the forefront of it, but also in Europe and, of course, Asia now, who has an enormous amount of consumers that all buy from their cell phones and pay with their cell phones. So it's even bigger there. And um, brands like beauty is very big, technology, gaming, food, design, automotive, uh, you name it, even, even financial services. Yeah, Everybody finance, is on board yeah. right now. So how is this different, say, say if, a, if a finance company wanted to get an influencer involved in a campaign they're running on Instagram, how is that different from, say, Jennifer Garner um, swiping around with a Capital One card? Is that the same type of thing except on Instagram? I don't know what you're talking about, the last part. Uh, but Jennifer Garner, the huge actress in America. They, Capital I'm One so <laughs> not well-versed in <laughs> Hollywood. You're I just too English these days, Dania. Am I? <laughs> I guess I've been transformed. I'm a Londoner, you know. I don't mind. <laughs> but any, oh, Garner. Okay, I got it now. All right, all right. So I haven't seen that ad. Um, but how is it different Again, it depends. Usually, it's the interaction with the the interactions. Right? Wait, there's this closeness, you know. There is this trust, and uh, that's the important bit. So, how how long have you been doing this? 
I have been doing this specific type of business maybe for five years. I started with Facebook and a blog and then it transformed and it uh, went into a different platform, of course, as platforms evolve, as well as, you know, the clientele and the audiences. Then it went at the beginning, it was, was more lifestyle, art and design. And it was a blog itself in itself. And then I transitioned and I went into fashion and beauty and presenting what I'm wearing and that's obviously more Instagram related let's go back to the fact that you have an audience the size of Hong Kong uh, you're funny about that <laughs> well I mean it's such a funny comparison it's huge so how did you build that look it was step by step first of all and it wasn't that easy I wouldn't say because if you want to build an organic audience which is the most important part you want to do right now buying followers is the is just the death of business it's well it doesn't give you the engagement run. it can, you can also write sadly nowadays you can even buy engagement which is ridiculous but on the long run even in a few months it's just gonna it's not gonna it's not a sustainable business so it's either instagram going to clean up your fake followers or you're gonna you know you're gonna be uncovered as a fraud so anyway having said that said it is a lot of that it's a big subject because it's annoying for people like me who have worked really hard and you know putting brick by brick step by step and trying to build an audience having you know people competing with you in a way and cheating the rules is is not really fair but i know that most of them get uh uncovered very fast and uh, how i built it is just by a few elements, mainly posting good content, creating good content, um, associating myself with either other influencers or other big brands who have big pages. That's very, very important for organic growth and exposure. And, uh, you know, mainly finding my own voice and finding my own image and finding a branding that is compelling to people who are following me. So there's going to be, you know, an, a halo effect, an organic reach. If you follow me, maybe your friend will see it and maybe they like it too. Let's talk about the fact that you've graced the boards of TED a few times. Uh, so you are trying to get into speaking. You, you do a lot of speaking and you're brilliant on stage. But what types of uh, topics would you cover that could really bring value to a corporation who wants to start utilizing influencers like you? The topics I'm most requested for are usually by corporations, banks, conferences are either on one hand everything that is internet marketing branding social media expertise but also social media in terms of how to prevent the negative effect of it as well as branding in terms of how to use influencers how to engage influencers what's the most effective way to to do internet marketing and uh social media marketing because obviously by having built this from the ground up i know the inside out uh, the, the ins and outs of the industry and it's not so simple to explain on say a book or a file because they're ever changing everything the algorithms of the of the platforms change monthly so it's you either in the business or you're going to be left behind very fast so that's why i get engaged also in consulting in this sense on the other hand what i speak about a lot in general and also it was a topic at ted as well as in other situations are is about empowerment of the individual 
and empowerment of women as well because the new digital professions allowed me to be a self-made woman and can allow a lot of people and inspire a lot of people to create their own businesses so that is a big subject for me and i am someone who wants to empower people and i do in my own way as much as i can so for me that's a big subject and i speak about it every single way shape and form as well as motivation and anything that has to do with how to you know get started and uh, how to use pain in order to succeed because we all have some pain in life and i think it's a very interesting thing that pain can be used for the positive and uh, i try to i was listening to an interview with christine lagarde the former head of the imf the other day and she was saying that there are now women in huge authority in finance and in government across europe when you look at angela merkel christine lagarde and theresa may in the uk it, it begs the question you know how much further do you think you need to go for women to have equality? Much further. <laughs> uh, this questions of yours is extremely provocative and almost funny uh, to the point that have you seen what happened today in Alabama? Oh, my God. Awful. That happened a few days ago. So how can you even ask me a question like that? We are so behind. We are make, taking steps behind, huge steps behind us. Rec- retrograde is is upsetting it's it's outrageous and uh, i try to you know share as much as i can on my voice or with my audience and uh, as much as i can information you know about what's going on because biases are not only obviously evident like this you know political biases ban on abortion even if you if a woman gets raped or if it's incest she has to have a baby and in certain states i think ohio if i'm not wrong if you go to another state to get abortion you get back you can be imprisoned for uh up to 10 years and uh, in alabama up to 99 years absolutely it's it's horrendous it's it's not just about the law in one state. It's about the mentality. It's about it's Stone Age. What, it's about what it's spreading. It's about how people think, and it's only white older men in the Senate who voted for it. And so this is uh, first of all one of the topics we can talk about. But this is just one grain in the sand of what's going on in the world. There's a lot of soft biases, mentality biases that are. Uh, to be fought. And it's very important to say that, you know, feminism is not against men. And I'm going to say it again, feminism is not against men. There is great, amazing, strong, powerful men who are feminists, who support women, who respect women, and they see women as equal. So I wouldn't, I don't like when men think it's an aggressive word. It's, it's a, it's a misused concept, you know, as a concept that sadly has been twisted and turned on what it actually means. And so I'm very vocal about it. It's a very, it's a big subject that I have at heart because I'm a self-made woman and I'm a woman who supports a lot of people in her life and uh, also tries to bring up a lot of people, whether they're men or women. And when people try to take away from me my achievements, trying to insinuate that I didn't work hard and I just got it, you know, provided by someone else. I literally get upset, which is good because I use this, you know, feeling to to propagate a good message and try to to improve things for other people in my life. 
You're one of the hardest workers I've come across in a long time. I remember when we first met, it was Balthazar in New York, and you literally had 42 minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. It was great, though. We've had, to, we've had to reschedule this about 15 times in the last four days. I know. I'm sorry. I had another interview right before you. <laughs> no, that's quite but all right. But I'm very glad we made it, and I'm glad we're managing to cover important topics i'd say i don't know what you think about them because you're not expressing yourself but um yeah what do you think what do i think i i, I mean i love women i think that everyone should be <laughs> equal and uh i i'm a i'm a i'm a, a big fan of david brent from the office whose uh, line was how can i hate women my mother is one exactly so think of your mother's sisters daughters yeah, exactly. I only hire women to work with me too. I think they're by far the most polite nurturers in the in the game, and that's kind of what running yeah. the Speakers Bureau is. And look, once again, it's not about overpowering men in any way, shape, or form. It's about mutual respect. And obviously, if we go deeper, it's about human rights. You know, it is. Let's talk about your time at J.P. Morgan. Oh, um, okay. That was brief. It was had, brief, I've had, but I've it had was... a lot of. I've had a few actually. I had a few uh, financial institutions that I worked at as an intern. I've worked at Merrill Lynch uh, my during my uni days. I worked at a hedge fund as well in London, and then the last one was J.P. Morgan, and it was a great experience in terms of learning structure, learning how a big corporate organization works and understanding it. Because obviously when you are from the outside, you have no idea what it means. And then at the end, I realized that I, um, I couldn't do it, obviously, because I already had a career. I was already uh, working as a public persona in Switzerland and Italy, and I had a well-developed career that I would have had to abandon completely to start over in finance and start over in a role that is uh, obviously very rigid and very non-entrepreneurial. And so it wasn't for me. I'm very creative and I'm very entrepreneurial. And I realized that um, something like a corporate environment would have never been the right fit for me. So I walked away fast enough, but it was a very, very good experience to, to learn. And I learned a lot. So yeah. Uh, that's all I can say. There's not not much to say about it. But still, very much back to the topic of feminism and gender equality. It's still yes. very much a, a, a an old boys club, isn't it? Uh, well, I would say they were really respectful of me personally, and they were very scared of me at the same time. Why? Because when I arrived, and here we can talk about feminism. Um, there was this Bloomberg, um, you know, the Bloomberg tool for trading and, and to, to watch and monitor the markets. Um, and this tool, I was uh, the most viewed person. Uh, before even arriving, my profile somehow was created at the bank and it all banks in the world, they were using this tool to trade. I was the, uh, the most viewed person, even more than, say, Warren Buffett or... Barack Obama at the time, which obviously made news because they called me the model intern. How objectifying. And I ended up on television all over the world and, and on newspapers or all, all over the world as this model intern. And then so, you realize that this yeah. probably wasn't the place to get your voice. 
out and heard? I mean, I tried to, you know, not ignite the fire. I didn't use it. This fame, this fast fame that it got me, I didn't use it to my own advantage. I didn't think it was correct. And I just laid low. But obviously, my colleagues at the bank were scared of me because of how much news I made before even arriving. So they would have to be hyper respectful and very, very, very polite and very fair towards me. So I don't have a bad word to say about my experience at all. No, I'm sure it was great. I mean, that really is the, the top of commerce, working at one of those places. But these <laughs> days you are quite famous and you do public appearances, don't you? Look, I'm not trying to be famous. This is not my goal. Uh, but I've always been... But kind you're of as, you've, got, you've got more followers than people in Hong Kong. I mean, look, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I know I do have. Which, by the way, is a, which is also a financial capital. <laughs> <laughs> look, I have a few followers, yes, and a few from the U.S. actually. Uh, but it's not. I'm not trying to be famous for fame. Fame for fame doesn't interest me at all. At this stage in my life, I prefer quality over quantity. I prefer an audience that is really interested in what I have to say, that a giant audience that really doesn't care. So I don't try to be hyper provocative or, you know, try to achieve cheap fame, which is very much the trend nowadays with all of the reality content that's out there. So my my life is not a reality show. No, that, that reality business is... I mean, I can't be too rude about it, but I think it's such a sellout. Look, but that's what's going on. That's how the most prominent people in our world right now are created through this type of, you know, uh, reality incubators, I would say. So yeah. this is how now fame is created. And so I wouldn't say that fame is my goal in any way, shape or form. I do know that I have a certain amount of recognition and I'm very happy and grateful for it. And uh, I know that my followers are very interested in what I do and what I say. And uh, that's what matters. Where do you see the future for branding? I mean, it's always ever evolving and changing, but it will stay online, of course, because we are hyper connected and it's going to stay definitely and everything that is social media but social media will definitely evolve it will never stay the same as technology evolves who knows maybe it's it has to do with artificial intelligence or it will have to do with with virtual reality imagine interacting with me as a fan with an avatar of me you know that it like looks almost real you know that that could happen very soon you know or maybe uh, influencers will, will not be people anymore, but they will be CGI created personalities that look like real people, but they're not. They are fantasy heroes. And that's already slowly happening. So maybe they will take our job very fast. Maybe you could be like a Japanese pop star. Isn't that, <laughs> is, what's that pop star's name? Which one? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the one that comes out of the stage. It's just a, it's a CGI image and she's the biggest star the in Japan. Ridiculous. But you know, see, it could happen very fast with influencer marketing. Here's and a question for you. You may need mm -hmm. a calculator. Okay. If Mark Zuckerberg decided one day to turn off Instagram, how, yeah. much, how much wealth destruction would he do? A lot. 
because people would vanish. Look, we are just grains in the sand, you know, me and my colleagues, influencers. But what will happen with all of the big corporates that make money from it? You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of branding and a lot of money poured into it. So it's quite a scary to think about that we do depend on only a few platforms. And, um, you know, there is a oligopoly that have to, with, uh, with all of these big internet uh, giants, you know, which is, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon. What else do we have? Apple. Apple. Yeah, there you go. And look how we connected just to do this. We were going back and forth on WhatsApp. I told you, we got to use <laughs> Which Facebook. Which is Facebook, and then we're talking on it, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's, And we're discussing your Instagram career, which yeah. is also Facebook. So, Xenia, so, off tomorrow to an extremely glamorous state of affairs. But yeah. a film festival. I was, in film, I was in film school, and I was absolutely shocked to find out that inside a film festival, it's not just about champagne and red carpets. People are looking for product to sell, <laughs> aren't they? Why is that shocking? It's basically you? a cattle market. I mean, people, it's, it's exposure. Anything that gives exposure to yeah. a brand or a product, is a, it's a good place to be. It's where, they, it's where movie makers are trying to sell films to, distribu to distributions. No, I'm not just talking about that. That's what's, what's the main core business is or what's happening in Cannes. But what's around it, all of the money that's pouring in in branding is, is significant, very significant. And you have to be there to be continually relevant as an influencer. And To be fair, I would, don't do this anymore. I'm there because I work with a brand. Um, I don't try to be in places just because there is exposure which is advisable if you're a beginner influencer i strongly recommend that but i just do it when i have a setup collaboration in place or maybe a long-term collaboration with a brand and this is one part of our duties and maybe they say hey look we're gonna be present there do you want to come with us or it's part of a contract so yeah i'm going there with a brand which is relaxing because it means you don't have to think about much. You can just enjoy yourself and, and everything else is just organized. And you, main thing you need to think about is how to give exposure to the brand and how to be transparent with your followers. That's it. Are you going to be on the red carpet? Probably, yes, of course. There's red carpets, there is events, and there is a boat ride. I don't know. I haven't even checked the schedule. There's even a yoga session, if I'm not wrong. Everything is good. Everything is very nice. Of course, it's very intense. It looks really relaxing when you see the pictures online. And of course, everything is, uh, you know, kind of a projection of what the ideal life is. But behind the scenes is not that glamorous. All of the, it's all work at the end of the day. And content creation is a job. So it's important to say, you know, social media and mental health uh, is a big subject, huge subject to speak about because a lot of uh, people who cannot achieve the life of their idols sometimes can get depressed or can get sad about it because it's a fear of missing out, you know, the famous fear of miss missing out. That's FOMO, right? Yeah, FOMO. I and have I JOMO. I have JOMO. What is it? That's the joy of missing oh, out. Oh, I have it too. Where to? See, we get along. <laughs> I love to miss out. It's like my favorite thing. It's so bad for my profession. 
so so bad for me i need to start having fomo please <laughs> anyway well um, zania you know you, you've been um incredibly generous because you did actually say james i've got 15 minutes for this it's now yes. been 28 minutes Okay, I'm going to start stop annoying you. However, um, uh, I do want to just say that if there are businesses out there who need a a girl to come in, a lady to talk about equal rights, diversity in the workplace and branding. Oh. I think a lot of these big marketing agencies could use you. They're always looking. Yeah, because the advertising world is still slanted towards men. Yeah. 3% I mean, I just spoke CEOs. at one big one with a lot of brands involved and yeah most speakers were men and then there was the little girl me <laughs> but it was fun it was a good experience i loved it so yeah no uh of course i appreciate it thank you james it's lovely and um your questions were not too tough not I too really difficult right not at all i expected you to be way way more complicated way, way more provocative than this no i can't play on that level that's too difficult for me <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I hope to see you soon in Miami. <laughs> <laughs>